Thank you so much. Let me take a deep breath and compose myself. Uh, but first of all, let me say that um, Edward and I feel so privileged to speak uh, on this topic that we have been given to, that is breaking the cycle of poverty in a broken world. And um, this is because uh, we have been working with the poor ever since we started um, um, ministering. And uh, I feel we have the mandate to speak because um, we know we have um, what it takes because we have worked with the poor for quite a long time. But then on the onset of uh, this uh, topic, what I want to say is that um, breaking the cycle of poverty in a broken world, what I want to start my point by saying is that the brokenness of the world is portrayed or is seen in the cycle of poverty. When we are talking about breaking the cycle of poverty, where we see it and where we can almost touch it is in the poverty that is in the world. So in this seminar, as we address this topic, breaking the cycle of poverty, one of the things that I wanted to say is that um, we can't be able to finish poverty completely. That is what I'm saying, because it is a massive, massive problem. Let me also make this other statement that uh, we can't eradicate poverty completely. One time Jesus made a statement, and uh, most of the times I, I normally tell myself, if I was there, I would have, you know, broke his mouth and told him, Jesus, please don't say that. He said in Matthew 18, uh, 26 and verse 11, that the poor will always be with you. So the poor will always be with us. In every given community, every given country, no matter how rich that country is, you will turn around and you will see the poor. The poor people are almost everywhere. So what I want to say is that we can't eradicate poverty, but what we normally do as we work with the poor is trying to see how we can alleviate the poverty that is uh, making our people to suffer so much. And one of the things that uh, we normally do is uh, to start with, we deal with the emergencies. As we work with the uh, unreached people groups, and like I said, all through we have been working with the marginalized communities. And most of the times I've, I've always told Edward, it's like our calling has been to work with, uh, with these people who are neglected, who have got no voice. And in most cases, when we go to these communities, what we normally see is uh, people who have got um, a crisis, a need that needs to be addressed fair and thin. Whereby, if people are not sustained, of course, we lose lives. Like at the moment, we are working in communities like uh, Trukana, we call them Trukana, northern part of Kenya, where we have famine and uh, a lot of drought there, no rain for a long time. And such people, of course, the first thing that we normally do is to, to address that emergency, that crisis. But then over the years, we have learned a lot of lessons, especially when it comes to addressing these crises and emergencies. And because what we have to do is to be careful that we don't make these people to have that uh, tendency of... Um, of uh, dependency, that after all, we have people who will come and help us. So we have to be very careful on how we, we address such problems. And so what we normally do is uh, after we have addressed the emergency that, will, that would have made lives to be lost, then we ask ourselves, what is the other thing that we can do to help these people to be able to be self-sustaining? And that is where I'm saying that we have now started to do quite some major some projects that will help these people to be able to sustain themselves, to be able to, to feel a dignity of not all the time stretching out their hands, their hands to, to borrow. But then before I, I say that, the other thing that uh, maybe I would have wanted to say here is that uh, crises and emergencies have been known all over the world to be the greatest fundraisers. 
such that you find when there is a crisis somewhere, maybe a tsunami, that's the time people are compelled to give so much of their money to go and help those people. But a time has come where in our ministry with Edward and where we are working with, this, with these people, we have felt, how can we change from that and raising the crisis and, and raising the emergencies? How can we come up with some projects? And I would call upon us um, this afternoon as we speak, or, uh, as we address on this um, uh, topic of um, breaking the cycle of poverty. How can we ask ourselves as churches, how can we fundraise, how can we fundraise for these projects so that we help these people to, be, to do something that will sustain them other than addressing the crisis and the emergencies all the time? And as I speak like that, I'm, I'm very sure some NGOs would not be happy to hear me say this because... A lot of money has been fundraised through NGOs to go and do something. But if you ask us, we are the people who are most of the times on the ground. These NGOs at times, and sorry to say this, they thrive in this cycle of poverty. Um, big salaries, driving big cars, living lunch. And so for them to hear me say that uh, we address this cycle of poverty by helping people to have some projects, starting kicking off some projects so that they will be able to sustain themselves would not be a good thing for them to hear me say. But then, of course, I've asked this question many times. How much money has been fundraised through different settings in this country? Maybe some celebrities, musicians have come up the G8 countries have come up. They wanted to fundraise to help um, help alleviate poverty in some of these developing nations. And how much money? How much of that money? If we went to the ground, how can we be able to say this is the money that was fundraised? If you ask us, because we are on the ground, we can tell you it's almost like nothing. Money is fundraised, and where does it go? You look for it, you don't see it. And so what I'm saying is that time has come whereby we have got to address this uh, problem of um, the cycle of poverty in a way that is going to help our people take their feet on the, on the ground. Where is the trace of that money, I'm asking? And if you ask us, like I have said, you, you come and you see there is no action. The poor will only live for now. And that's, what, that's another statement that uh, <clears throat> I wanted to make. That the poor will only live for now. How can we help them to, how, how can we as a church help them to live for tomorrow and even to live for the next generation? This is uh, trying to kill the culture of hand to mouth. Because like I started by saying, I said that... Um, if you wanted to see poverty and if you wanted to touch poverty, everywhere you turn, it's when you go to these unreached people groups, these marginalized people, that is where poverty is. And so how can we help them to be able to, to live beyond that whatever I get, I eat and finish now? Because they don't live for tomorrow, they don't live in, even for the next generation. And what I want to say here is to, to share with us some of the things that we are doing to help these people try to at least have a sense of feeling that uh, we have some dignity, that that is something we are doing. And we started by having um, a SACO. A SACO is um, Savings and Credit Cooperative Organization, whereby we tell people even the poorest of the poor, obviously somebody somewhere will have something that they can save if they are trained. Because the other thing that I wanted to speak to us uh, this afternoon in this seminar is how we can also help these people to have a knowledge of... Because ignorance is very bad. When people are ignorant and they don't know what they are doing, we should not blame them, them that uh, even when we give them seed, 
they eat the seed. They, eat, they make the seed to be the brand just because of the ignorance. So a savings and a credit cooperative organization is something whereby we tell people you have got your one shilling or you have, you've got your one pound. Let's put it together so that others can borrow from that and they do something. It's something that is tailored to help the people. So we call it a circle and we have seen so many people come out of uh, this uh, scourge of poverty by just putting their money there and then they come and borrow later on. And we also have a program that we are calling Community Empower Empowerment Program. And in this program, what we are doing is um, it has got five objectives. And this is measuring on OVCs or um, orphans and vulnerable children. We make sure we, they get the school fees, and shelter, medical, that is healthy care, food, and also mentorship. And we have found this to be very helpful, and uh, it helps these children, because like uh, in Africa and most of these developing countries, we have got a lot of um, orphans through HIV and AIDS. You go, you find a community that uh, the children who are orphaned are more than even the parents that are alive. Or they are, at, that, at other times, they are just living with the old grandparents. So when we help these children with school fees, we make sure that at least they are in a good shelter. And medical care is taken care of, uh, taken care of and then they are food. And then we started to mentor them. That kind of a program, if people are asked to fundraise for that, it's even a worthy cause because it helps in that time when there would have been a crisis because of these children and we fundraise for them. Other things that we are doing to help um, this um, breaking the curse of poverty is having sustainable projects like fish farming, goat keeping, beekeeping, small kiosks or shops in the villages to sell vegetables and day to day necessities like salt, soap, sugar, cooking fat and all that. We also help uh, with chicken rearing projects, hiring land for farming and that way we find that these kingdom businesses, these kingdom projects help our people to at least be able to sustain themselves. And all this, this project like I've said will need a lot of financial boost to help them kick off. Of course, we know that the relation omission has got this, they are calling pathways to, to poverty. It's almost the same thing from poverty. That, that one is also something that needs us to consider quite a lot and tell ourselves that we need to support such a project because that way we are going to help so many people come out of this scourge of poverty. And again, it also needs... Uh, like I've said, ignorance is also something that is a stronghold and we need people to be trained on how to, to help these people. So you give people seed and they eat, it's because they lack that, that, that training. And that way I want to call upon all of us um, this afternoon as you listen to Edward as he comes up to sum up everything. Thank you so much. Very good. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Every time I listen to Frida, I get so sad because I see somebody who has not who is not just talking from a position of uh, just information related with matters of poverty, but somebody who is engaging on daily basis in actually making sure that people are getting out of it. And I, we, we, we respect Frida so much because she has been able to uh, become such a wonderful blessing in terms of, uh, you know, connecting with the locals right in their own situation. Other times just helping the locals to be able to see uh, what, what the, blessing, the, the blessing of God in terms of the natural resources that are available 
and how they can be able to uh, utilize those resources in coming out of poverty. Uh, but in the background of what she has been able to share with us, we also have to look to poverty from a, a spiritual, spiritual dimension. And that is the reason why you, uh, if you look into the, profile, the, the literal profile about what we are speaking into, one of the things we have mentioned is breaking the poverty mentality cycle. And it's important for us to know that uh, uh, because you find poverty, uh, the, the presentation of poverty in every given context is different. You do have poverty in your country, which is so different from our poverty in Africa. And uh, you'll find that even in Africa, we've got, we've got, just to show you what I mean by it is important for us to be able to see poverty from a, a spiritual context. And that is the reason why we need uh, people, but we, we need people that are skilled in terms of engaging and people that have got the ability to be able to uh, identify some of the reasons why people have gotten into poverty. But we need theology behind it. We've got to see uh, the, the stronghold. And I really want to say that the biggest poverty is that of mental. It is the mental blockage. And this is a, you'll find that when we talk about the poverty in the mind, uh, you'll find that even in our own context, the reason why we've got politicians and we've got leaders who have got money and they still want to steal more money is because their mind is poor. The, the spirit of greed is in operation. You'll find the same even in a, a Western context. So there is a need for pastors and church leaders to be able to trust God enough for us to be able to see that before we can actually begin to uh, uh, see the transformation of communities and society at large from this strong, from, uh, from this uh, uh, monster, that there is a, a, a spiritual dimension uh, that needs to be properly uh, uh, explored and people are need to be empowered from the, from the position of their spirits and the sp position of their mind. Otherwise, we could be uh, engaging in something that is going to be futile. We, we put in a lot of money, we put in a lot of, we even risk our sons and daughters to get to the nations uh, only uh, for, 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 for them also and for the people that are trying to help finding that yeah, it's, a, it's like a vicious cycle that we have all gotten into. So I want to suggest to us that there is a spiritual dimension. Very, very important. And we've got to uh, look to this monster from, from that angle, that there is a, a need to break the stronghold of poverty in the minds of the people. This is a, one of the... I, I look to my continent many times and I am shocked at the level of greed and the level... The, why do we have corruption... Uh, that is grand um, and corruption that is on the grassroots is because of the poverty mentality. The leaders, we elect people into power and the only thing they can think about very quickly is how can I help myself? And what do you see? That person could, could have several degrees but he's poor up here. And we, we need to see it that way and be ready to help people break that vicious cycle within their thinking. And the other thing, some of the things that I would like to suggest from Frida's discussion with us, so that we can be able to, I can quickly jump to something uh, totally different. Uh, Frida is helping us to be able to, uh, she's so practical, she's becoming practical to us, helping you to see what are we doing uh, from our context, what is happening with us back in Kenya, what are we doing in Ethiopia, what are we doing in Tanzania, what are we doing in Uganda. She's practically trying to help us. But I would like to suggest the following things are very, very important uh, because I think if we can be able to get this correct uh, in that order, I think we'll begin to see transformation uh, as we uh, see this, the brokenness that has come as a result of poverty. We can be able to address it and begin to see results. Number one, like I said, it's breaking the poverty mentality from a, a, from a spiritual dimension that is the stronghold that is making people, that is making the poor to become more poorer and those that are rich to become more poorer by, by grabbing and stealing. So we've got to look into it from both. That the poor down in the grassroots uh, in this, what Frida is calling developing countries or developing worlds uh, some of the people that we encounter in our mission, in our ministry, as we reach out to the unrich people groups, plus some of the people that are in power, both of them are poor because there's a stronghold. So there is a need for the leader, for the church, to see that one and address it from that angle. I think the other thing is uh, for us to be able to... Uh, 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 the, the, the second thing that I would want to say is to try and empower the targeted through 
available skills and knowledge. I think sometimes we do a mistake. Because like Frida was talking about the compassion. You find that it is possible for our compassion to move ahead of our mind. We, 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 we are moved. There is the emotional uh, thing because we want to get people out of uh, the clause of poverty quickly. But we're forgetting to know that it is possible uh, to give somebody... We've seen it. We've seen this many, many times. We've seen, uh, even back in our own context, we've seen people who have just gotten suddenly, gotten some amount, big amounts of money, and the next thing you're hearing is that instead of that money helping them, the money destroyed them. And it's important for the church to begin to value the element of uh, empowering the targeted through available skill and knowledge. I will really look into that one because what we have done, uh, 15 years, we have ended up coming up with our own calicrum that, that is being used even in the universities. We, we set our own paper. I think it's about eight-week program or nine, I can't remember now, offered, but we came up with our own calicrum to be able to address this matter, and it found its way all the way to some of the universities. They came to us and said, this is a wonderful a good practice, can we borrow it? And it, we allowed them to use it as part of their uh, pro, uh, products within the university. So it's empowering the targeted through available skills and knowledge. And number three, it's what we're calling empowering the targeted by allowing them to speak out. You see, this is again a big problem. Uh, Frida is very good in uh, reminding us about some of the projects that we have come across from what she's calling the NGO, um, the syndrome of the NGO. The NGO have come in and instead of allowing the communities to be able to speak their problem and also come up with some suggestions of how they can get out of their problem, the NGO has come and suggested the projects they think are best suited. Only for one year, two years down the line, the projects are all stalled. And we've got examples, examples all through the vast continent of Africa. Where we go, we find this borehole, which took a lot of money. But it, was not, it did not emanate from the people. The people did not speak. The people were not given an opportunity to be able to engage and be able to uh, tell what is their problem. Tomorrow, when I'll be speaking uh, to us, um, we, we, I have decided to have a part A and part B uh, because I'll be addressing the church, the prophetic church, raising prophetic churches that can be able to address the problem of the brokenness that we have in our world and we have got a DVD that is going to be showing you uh, some of the things we are doing, our engagement, uh, as uh, we preach the gospel and plant churches. And uh, you will be able to see for yourself, um, I think it's, uh, the DVD itself is about 15 minutes, which is, like I'm saying, is part of my message. But uh, we will be able to show you a community that we found. Uh, Jeff was able to see that when they came over. We took them to Manyangalo, it's called Manyangalo. And it is a community of people that were marginalized for many, many years. They didn't know that the country had received its independence until we found them in Kenya. And it was unfortunately sat upon by a third generation, colonial that generation. And they, never, they were never aware that the country is free until we found them, I think it's something like 15 years ago. We just pumped these people, no idea that the country is free. And that is one of the cases, because it's now a big community, is one of the special cases where uh, our daughter Master was by then doing a, a master's degree and she engaged with them because she's trained as a community development officer. We allowed her to do a dissertation uh, to showcase these people. And we allowed the Manyangalo people to be able to speak to us and tell us, how do you think, what, how did you get to this problem? And how can you come out of this problem? Today is over five years since that community became empowered and they've never even called me once because it's become a community that is empowered. They've been able to buy their own vehicles. They've been able to build good homes. They've been able to take their children to good schools. That is what I'm talking about. When people are given an opportunity to speak and allowed to, because everybody, you'll be surprised. We think this way. Uh, they don't have the solution. We do have the solution. We are mistaken badly. Everybody, including you seated here, every one of us is an agent of change. We do have, we carry with us solutions. Unfortunately, the forum sometimes is not there for people to be to do what? To be able to ventilate, to be able to speak. So I want to say, when we 
have dealt with the spiritual element, which is of course breaking down the stronghold. And uh, we are, we are, we've begun to give people some skills, allow the people to speak about their ideas that will make them come out of poverty. Number four, it is uh, now this is where Frida's element comes in. In accordance to the individual, whether it's individual or groups like she's talking about the circle, again, Jeff um, and, his, and, and the team that is uh, serving uh, Mike Bet behind the scenes, making sure that the uh, pathways from poverty is advancing into the nations. Uh, they have been able to partner with us. They have been able to release finance from you, uh, which has gone to this uh, pocket of the circle. And from there, it's either individuals access the seed or groups of five or like in Kambaki Christian Center, we've got Frida and the team have been able to create so many teams of ladies. They call themselves tents because it's a group of 10 women uh, in every, I mean, in, in one group. And they've got so many groups in the church, which they can be able now to access a bigger seed. And that seed is given to every member of their group and they utilize it. So in accordance to the individual, or in accordance to the group ability, they are able to be given, to be provided uh, with a seed or capital. And number five is trying to look for market for the merchandise. And I think this is now where you brothers and sisters can really feature. Uh, because if you really wanted to help some of these developing countries, um, some of them are into wonderful stuff which could be able to fetch a good market in your countries. And this is now where you can be able to say, look here, if you are able to develop this, uh, whether, whether it is a necklace or whether it is a belt or whether it is a cap, whatever it is, if you are able to work with the communities and advising them about what it is the local market is looking for, then we are able to do it. We are able to get uh, those stuff into this place and that way we are able to help in marketing. You see, the syndrome that Frida is talking about is extremely dangerous. And we are so glad because we are black people. Frida and myself are pure, 100% Africans. And we are in the forefront making sure Africa is not destroyed by the syndrome of handout. We want to stop that. We talk about it because we, don't, we know the dangers of it. We know it will deny the African the dignity which God has given them. And they will always look, view themselves as second class. And that is not of God. It's another stronghold that has been created in the name of trying to help. And we're saying no to that. So it is important for us to be able to create an environment where uh, uh, people are able to come out with solutions. And you, because you're better placed in terms of marketing and everything else, you can be able to bring your input and try to uh, market the things that have been produced by uh, our people. And number six in that order is the importance of network. Networking is crucial. We've seen it working like in a short while I'll be able to speak a little bit now in the remaining few minutes. I'd like to speak to us about some of the things that we've been able to do because I will mention some of the avenues that we have we've been able to see uh, once we have dealt with the major spiritual elements. We are actually working on the ground and we've, we've been able to apply because one of the other advantage that Frida and myself and the teams have is we've been able to know uh, the strategy of making sure that that shilling does not pass through the finger or that million shilling that we can. So we do have businesses that will just be uh, targeting the small money, but we do have businesses that are targeting the big money. And so we, we, we see the element of networking as very, very important. And by the way, when I talk about uh, networking, I, I, re I realize, because like Mike said last night, uh, Mike, Mike is such a dear brother, and was, I was so blessed when uh, Goff was introducing him. He made some of the statements that I made about him when he was with us in Kenya. I said, this is a precious gift. Mike is a precious gift that God has given the body of Christ. And that must settle down in our hearts and know and see this brother. He's not, he's not different from us. The grace of God is upon him to be able to be Mike. And, uh, and so, um, one of the things that is happening, even as I stand here this afternoon, sharing what we are sharing with Frida with you guys, is one of the things that is happening is very simple. It's a cross-pollination. It's taking place between uh, what we're calling uh, spheres. Uh, two spheres uh, from Africa and from UK. 
And all of a sudden, this context has been able to bring together, you know, my view of uh, this conference. I'm not viewing it the way many are viewing it. To me, it is an international conference. So I'm calling it, even when I'm sending my tweets and uh, going to the Facebook, I'm calling it RM International Leaders Conference. Because that's what I feel and that is what I see. And even last night it was confirmed as a uh, and his wife were t- talking about calling the different nations. So networking is uh, the way forward. It does not matter whether, whether it is from uh, the world of, uh, the, even from the secular point of view, they have discovered that if they're going to manage and be- grow their businesses and grow their corporates, the, the, the secret is simple, it's networking. And when I was, I was, I was captured, uh, because what's happening with us as New Frontiers, I, was, I really found myself so much captured by um, this portion of scripture, which is found in the book of Galatians, uh, because the last point in the points I've just given is networking. I, I realize it's like uh, the church had reached where we've reached. It's like the, 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 the first movement, the first apostolic movement, had reached where we've reached as New Frontiers, where all of a sudden, uh, apostolic leaders are departing. Some of them are going to Samaria, others are going to Antioch, others are going... I mean, there was a, suddenly there was a momentum that was gained uh, for, for brothers who were who recognized as apostles to go and do stuff. It was, it was no longer the, the apostolic team that was meeting uh, in Jerusalem. It, there was, and I think when I, I was looking to Galatians chapter number 2 and verse number 7, it is a, that is what I, I realized was a becoming um, Galatians chapter number 2 and verses number, let me get it quickly, Galatians chapter 2. And verses number 7, you find what Paul is saying on, on the contrary. So he's speaking about what has been happening with them and then he reaches this point and I really want this to, to come because it cements what Frida started by saying. He says, on the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. What is Paul saying? Paul is simply saying the other brothers, the other apostolic movement, the other apostolic spheres recognize the grace of God upon Paul to have an apostolic rush into the world of the uh, 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 the Gentiles. Just as Peter is recognizing another another group is being led by Peter, just as Peter had been to the Jews. So what Paul is trying to say here is trying to show two different sets of apostolic movements. One is into the Jews and the other one is into the Gentiles, but all together uh, having one common goal. And, and then he says, for God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. I love this. And then James is like, this is now apostolic number three, apostolic sphere number three, which is like stationed the original team of brothers. And says, James and Peter and John, those reputed as pillars, I love this, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. In other words, they endorsed us. In other words, they're saying, just like what is happening with Peter and his team, it's also happening with Paul and his team, and we do want to endorse and give me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace that was upon me. They agreed that we should all go to the Gentiles as to the Jews. Number 10 complete, completes the statement. And this is very important what Frida is saying. All they asked us was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. I love that. Paul, Paul is justifying and saying, look here, we're not just going to be preaching the gospel for getting the poor. We will, uh, it is upon our hearts to make sure that as we preach the gospel, as we communicate the gospel and the good news of the kingdom to uh, the Gentiles, we will make sure that as many people that will jump on board in our apostolic leadership, we will keep reminding them about the poor. And I really want to say that this is a message that will cut across. It does not matter which generation, brothers and sisters, this is a message that will be with us. You all remember the, the, the blast that was, I'm talking about, I, I normally, every time I remember someone put it, where in, during those stony days, and how he blasted. God was with him at that moment. And he called upon you frontiers, and he called especially to the churches in the UK. And that was the beginning of God removing the veil from the eyes of many people. And suddenly, we were able to see 
what we were confronting. And I really want to say this, brothers and sisters, that it is important for us to be reminded once again. And I like a statement that I had from Terry a few years ago, uh, because like you know, Fred and myself, we've had all the problems related to having to work among us the unrich people groups, uh, marginalized communities. We have seen, I mean, this current problem that we are going through, we have lost people that we know in Tukana. We've lost saints, brothers and sisters, who have died to starvation. They've died. They've succumbed. As well as animals. We're talking of so many animals. In one valley, uh, where our teams right now have camped, as I speak with you, we've lost, there is a, a village, two villages, three villages. They've lost over 1,000 animals. And that is their livelihood. It's gone like that because of starvation. And all these things, they don't leave you the same. They, they, and when we come and we see, uh, we, when I get into UK and get into the Western uh, countries and see the grumbling and the murmuring because of nothing, because to me it's, it's nothing. Well, some people are murmuring because nothing. There is nothing which, the, which warrants them to be complaining. They're complaining because they've got plenty. And it's, it's a complaint. Everything is so facilitated. Everything is so enabled. And yet they're complaining. I, I, I just, my mind goes back to those people. Or when I see, uh, the other day we were with Frida, we, we visited the U.S. And we see how much food is collected by McDonald's and, and the others. And it's just run away. And I'm just thinking, I wish there was a way I could have this food in the containers and I'm able to take it to Samburu or Trukana. So, we need to be reminded, brothers and sisters, like Frida said, our heart, even as we engage and even as God gives you comfort, because I'm standing here and it does not matter where you go in worship places, it's comfort. Beautiful seats, beautiful everything. It's comfort. Even last night, uh, just getting into uh, King's Church and what King's Center, what do you see? Comfort. Let's not forget the poor. May we be found in the forefront of trying. And you know, at the moment, I was talking without getting into the nitty gritties of what I was sharing with uh, earlier. We, we're living at a time when Christians need to be provoked. We need to be provoked because uh, we are getting into the trap of materialism. We're getting into the trap of consumerism. And the spreading of the gospel is not as fast as it should because our priority is not correct. And I really want to say, brothers and sisters, unless something is, happen, is, is going to happen, we will even see, as we take this matter lightly, we'll begin to see uh, some of the other faiths beginning to get our own people. Because people are fed up with empty, empty Christianity. People are looking for community. Uh, people are looking for something they can be able to touch and feel. And it is our responsibility to make sure that we are in the forefront. And I, I, I really want to beg... Uh, through this because I know this is something that's going online. Anybody that is listening to me right now and you're Christian, make it your ambition to, pro to propel the advancement of the gospel. To propel the goodness of God to be able to touch the nations of the world. We have been given an opportunity. And I really want to say it is a one-life opportunity. One-life opportunity. And it's wonderful for us because earlier when I was talking to my friend, I said, when we go to heaven, we will be asked... I gave you abilities. I gave you enablement. What did you do with that? Stewardship. How is our stewardship as we, had, we look into this subject of uh, 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 poverty? So, like you can hear, in, like I said, speaking on the background of what Frida's been able to bring out and some of the things that we've been able to nail down as uh, the principles, some of the principles that have been able to help us be on top of the situation, uh, you realize that we have a passion. I have a passion. I am in UK this afternoon and I have a passion in my heart. I have a passion to be able to see it, it, the joy. Like I mentioned, one this case of Manyangalo. And now we are also talking in Trukana where we are giving them, uh, we are making sure that life is not lost through the famine and uh, the drought that is there. But alongside, we are also coming in with sustainable projects. And it's just wonderful for us when we go back and we find that some of the boats we bought for these people the boats are getting into the deep waters of the Lake Tukana. And they're coming out with uh, thousands of kilos of fish. And then we bought them motorbikes. And the motorbikes are quickly picking up the fish and pushing it to where people are starving. And we know even if they eat fish continuously, they won't die. They will not die. Something is happening. 
and the leftover is being sold in the market and making money these are some of the things i'm getting excited now i'm getting i'm feeling yeah because it's it's wonderful when you use money well and you see the outcome of uh, thousands of pounds that is coming in our hands it's fantastic it's exciting and so from all this we have been able to uh, 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 come up with some of the avenues through which we have been able to see uh, the the old scourge like frida called it the scourge of poverty uh, being broken in our place and i would like to suggest some of the things that you can be as god speaks to your heart these are areas you can invest your money in number one is what we are calling sustainable agriculture now the reason i'm saying that we we do have farming has been promoted so much and is great and even when i think about sustainable i will say the reason why i'm saying sustainable agriculture is because we don't just want our people to have food on the table alone we want we want because it's possible to give people food on the table but uh, you've not helped much because what you've just done it's that these people have got something to eat for tonight but they will find themselves again in the same same trap and that is why we need to encourage even when when we're talking about uh, some of the um, uh, pilot projects re- regarding what I'm calling sustainable agriculture or improved agriculture. It does not matter from which context you want to look to it. You could look to it from a biblical context and call it, uh, tr- uh, you know, farming God's way or whatever. But we're talking about improved agriculture. We're finding that this is a, an amazing way in which we can be able to bring people out of poverty. It is fantastic. It is a, an avenue that if you're passionate enough and you feel that something within our churches, within our churches, within our movement, so a, 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 there is a, a program that is geared towards agriculture. And when you look to the structure and how it's tailored, it's something that gives you the confidence. It's a, an avenue that is changing lives in Africa and elsewhere. So that is an avenue which we've been able to uh, see that is helping us. And the second one, and very important, and not many people are investing in this one, is education and skill in partition. We, we really want, and that, that is why I'm saying that like in our case, we have developed a calicrum. We have, and I'll be very glad to ask, uh, because as we speak uh, during this, this conference, we will be talking again with some of the brothers who are helping us to put together what as is uh, coming up as a new product within the continent of Africa. We, we're coming up with an African school of leadership and some of the things that we want to uh, expose even our own pastors and senior leaders, it's during uh, the time we'll be training them, is how can they can be able to encounter some of the things I've just I'm mentioning here to us. So education is very, very powerful. And that is why Frida is saying that, like for example, the community empowerment program has got the objective of targeting the uh, vulnerable children uh, with education sponsorship and everything else. Because once you educate somebody, you have broken poverty. And they get quality education that can help them to be employed. They can go back to their villages and they become, transformation, they become agents of transformation. And so really asking you again, if something comes, and I really want to commend you, uh, because we see some of you have been able to help uh, like in Samburu, when we started to engage with Samburu, one of the things God showed us was the biggest problem. And the reason why Samburu was not, could not amount to get out of poverty was that, that the, the culture is like the culture as, a, as a put the child of Samburu in a corner. And the only thing that, some, that that culture can say is that you never amount to become anything. So God spoke to us and said, address the problem from a child point of view. And we introduced the compassion, we, we, we partnered with the compassion, and a number of our churches in UK, as we began to speak, were able to sponsor children. And I want to tell you as we speak right now, because the program has been going on for a long time, we've got over 1,000 children in Samburu who are being transformed. And you know what? In 20 years down the line, poverty is defeated in Samburu because of education and skill impartation. So I call upon you, when we ask you to support programs, when we call upon you, my brothers and sisters, and the churches that are hearing me through the, uh, web, uh, the website, or the, I mean the internet, when we call upon you to help, these, some of these avenues that we are talking about here, they are just transforming the third world big time. Training of children and making sure uh, people that, even some of the adults that have 
they want to engage in the world of business and everything else, they're getting, uh, they're getting uh, trained so that they can be able to um, uh, handle whatever it is that is being entrusted to them from a position of a mind that is uh, uh, schooled. The, that element in which, and that is now where I'll d- dwell a bit the remaining minutes, it's what I'm calling element or avenue number three is introduction of small to medium enterprises. Introduction, and this, is, this could be, uh, this is now where Frida's uh, uh, wisdom and everything comes in. Uh, because this is where, once we've been able to do these things and uh, we've been able to tailor them in this way, uh, we are able to uh, subject, sub- submit them uh, to groups that want to borrow money. We, we are able to identify the small to medium enterprises and we are able to talk to the SACO people and we are able to be in agreement uh, which are some of these that can be able to quickly access funding so that they can take off. Uh, several years, so this is a, a, the, the introduction of small and medium enterprise can be supported so strongly by the micro arrangements uh, because this is something that is transforming Africa. So the reason why I'm saying this, even, even if we are talking about the, the whole thing of breaking the cycle of poverty in a broken world, uh, you can hear what you, you pick so much from our hearts is uh, our, our engagement has been so much with the continent of Africa. And I hope you appreciate that because that's where we come from. And it is important for us to be able to bring to, to although I know the principle is cuts across uh, the whole nations of the world, but it's good for you to be able to hear that our passion is so much um, uh, around the continent of Africa. And that is uh, something that is expected. So what I want to say is that even as we, uh, uh, we, we try to break the, the, the cycle of poverty in Africa, we've got to allow these three areas to be working. You find someone will come and say, we've got only one area, we, we just want to promote agriculture. And I really want to say, fine, agriculture is good, but it's just one among the three, of the three avenues through which God can work to bring solution to this big problem. We cannot promote one and forget the other. We need to see if it is possible. Once we, we've been able to pick up uh, this heart of don't, don't forget the poor, and we feel that as a movement of churches working wherever we are, we really feel that this is a, a command from God. We want to engage with it. We've got to uh, have an holistic approach towards uh, addressing this problem. Several years ago, we came up with an outfit emanating from our model of business. When I talk about a model of business, it's very, very good because Frida and myself and our teams, we, we have been able to model something. And even in one of my little books that I've, I wrote many years back, I, I was very much cap- captured by the life of Paul, who was a great apostle, yet doing business. And so we felt with Frida that we needed to model something because, unfortunately, when uh, uh, the missionaries came to us uh, bringing the gospel, they did not leave us with the gospel. They preached the gospel and uh, showed us the light. But unfortunately, many of them, they also left us with a bag of legalism. And that entrenched in, in our minds as some of the African preachers to believe that the man of God cannot work. And it's there. The man of God must wear a suit from Monday to Monday. Okay? And that is the... You go from... Cut across the vast African continent and you'll see that is something that is there. So we started to ask with Frida, wait a minute. But Paul was a great, great apostle. Yet the Bible records, with my own hands, I was able to earn a living, support myself and the people that were part of my team. And we took that model... And for many, many years of our lives, close to about 20-something, we have been putting up business, small businesses to big businesses. And uh, we've got an entrepreneurial mind uh, in addressing the, prob- the problem of luck in our place. So, uh, even as a pastor, I have not sat down to allow the church to give me everything that I need. I have allowed the church to, to even to remunerate people that are working with me better than myself because I'm thinking to myself we are doing something that is giving us the money and so we can allow others to, to benefit from what the church is uh, able to give. I really want to say that uh, it is important for, for us to keep on uh, 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 coping some of these models 
and even giving us an opportunity and that's why it's such a joy in the room i can see some people uh, that we, we were with in the russian speaking world and we were Fred and Masov were addressing this thing that we love very much about creation of business and trying to uh, ignite faith in the lives of our brothers and sisters in the Caucasus. So I really want to say that what we are sharing with you is not something. If you came to us, Jeff is here. He can be able to tell you what he has seen uh, because we, we've taken him not only around our own businesses and some of our own engagements. But he has also seen from some of the monies that we've gotten from you people, the models of businesses that are coming up uh, in the lives of people within uh, our own context. So this came out from uh, our own mo model, which today has grown and gone into the nations, creating different chapters that are helping our people in small and medium enterprise. So this outfit, which I call we called it when we started many years back. I think it must have been 16 years ago. We called it then BGW. And it is just what you can interpret as business God's way. You know, and that's... So we started this one, and I really want to summarize some of the things that are part of the BGW. Because as we speak right now, BJW has gained entry into Ethiopia. Chapters everywhere. Chapters in Kenya, chapters in Ethiopia, chapters in Uganda. It's really beginning to get into the nations. And we're very happy because it all started as, a, as something small, but now it's flowing and it's touching so many people across the nations. Business God's way is therefore, is therefore it came to us as an initiative with God's breath and power to help us get know how to, what to do to create wealth using God's given principles and values. Uh, and the following, we thought the following are kind of the fundamentals. Is just, I I'm not going to spend a lot of time because time is not with me here. Uh, I've got about five, ten minutes to finish, to end up. And I really want to give you, when you, anytime you hear business God's way, which was 17 years ago, started in Kenya, and now has got chapters many places, in Kenya, we've got so many, we've created so many chapters and across uh, Ethiopia and other places. These will be very important points that are kind of the pillars of the BGW. Number one, we thought BGW, the one intention was to provoke faith for income generating activities in accordance to one's idea, faith, ability, and planning. I repeat again because it's important, all that ties together. The BGW. The, the most important part about it was to provoke faith so that people can be able to come up with income generating activities in accordance to one's ability, a faith, and idea and planning. The second one, the second reason that we felt that uh, was uh, why, from, uh, again, from starting this initiative and outfit that started to help our people, uh, the, uh, the other element was <clears throat> providing proven godly principles and values for wealth creation. We thought BGW, the second element, is providing. And this, this, is, a, this is something that's not limited to an African context, but even, and this is where we've been able to work with even brothers from your country or this country who have got a, a passion for business creation. They have come in and they've been able to suggest to us under this umbrella on some of the things they've learned that have helped to grow their businesses where they come from. So it's providing proven godly principles. Because we are calling people to get back to doing things God's way. There's a lot of corruption and we've got to help our people uh, to see business that is flourishing without corruption. Yeah, we have to. We've got to because the world is dictating unless there are kickbacks and uh, the red tips and everything else that happens behind the scene. Your business cannot do well. And we're telling people no, like in our case. We, we, we have been able, even where we've been able to claim uh, the, the taxes, we pay our tax as we should from all the business that we've created, but we go back to them and tell them, we don't see why you should take the tax because we're taking even all the profits back to Trukana and Samburu and other, other places. We are able to argue on the basis of what we are doing. But we honor God and we pay the taxes. We've never, not once have we uh, evaded from paying uh, the monthly taxes and or annually taxes. So it is uh, providing proven godly principles and values for wealth creation. Number three, it's helping those in business taking their business to the next level. 
And this is very important and so dear in my heart. Because we don't want people to remain in one stage from the time they started this business. This business is not growing. This business has become like something for hand to mouth. We, we need to help our people to be able to know as long as life endures, there is a next level. And so BGW has been able to introduce these seven or eight points that have helped our people so much. Helping those in business, taking their business into the next level. And this, under that one, I can be able to mention a few things. is the role of innovation, the role of advertising and marketing, etc. So we bring out those things uh, when we, finally we are able to share with uh, uh, pathways from poverty. We'll give them our calicrums. You will be able to see some of the things I'm mentioning uh, properly elaborated in the calicrum. Number four, it's encouraging formation of business fellowship and a network within the Christian followers. I repeat again, this is important because the reason why this conference is going to meet its target is because 600 and something leaders have come together in a fellowship. And out of this fellowship, we will go back so fired. I don't know anybody uh, because I can, I can be able to say that with confidence. I don't know anyone that is in this conference that will go back the same way they came in. It's not possible. It is not, it's, not, it's just simply not possible. If they're not going to be touched by what we are telling, the, telling you, you'll be touched by what the Holy Spirit is doing. So you've got no option. You must change. <laughs> so it's encouraging formation of business fellowship and network within the Christian fellowship for encouragement, learning from one another and experience. Number five, it's assisting in identifying potential business partners. And we've been very good in this because we are now beginning to connect people in Ethiopia. The jackets we are wearing, uh, our Christian uh, brothers and sisters in Ethiopia, good in making leather jackets. And we are connecting them with the Kenyan market. We're creating connections of people that are part of a BGW, whatever they are. Like uh, when we flew in, in the UK, Frida is very good in coming with things like coffee. Just, just as gift, but at the same time promoting what we are producing. And uh, like this time round, she has brought in very precious gifts to uh, a few people of animals. And she's giving them and saying, this is a product of our country. It's, it's all to do with what? Uh, assisting in identifying uh, potential business partners for expertise and a capital injection. I really want you to write down that one because many times we get it wrong. The partnership is not for, for money. It's for expertise and capital. Because sometimes we just think expertise, we just think we are partners with you people to give you the money. No, don't give us the money if we don't have good practice. You, you, you're, you're destroying us if you give. I know some African brothers precious people and they were godly people and they just encountered some of the people from the America and other places who are not thinking about uh, uh, the, the damage they can have by just thinking they're just being uh, uh, what is it they're being generous and one brother precious man of God was given a lot of money when we went back to Kenya he couldn't no longer fit in this in a situation completely corrupted and I really want to say that we've got to check let's check the the structures. We, are, we want to be accountable to God, not only to the Charity Commission of England or Charity Commission of other places. The, our first and foremost accountability is to God. And we've, we've got to uh, let the people know that we are not suspicious. It, it is just a requirement by the heaven. Even Jesus, I think it's in Matthew, where he's talking about when he gave the talents, uh, he says, how come we settle the accounts? <laughs> so even Jesus set us the account and therefore we all have to know that it's not somebody it's not a police dog coming to sniff it's a requirement so it is a, not giving capital it's making sure that there is the expertise plus making sure that capital is also injected number six and this is very important and a very crucial one and it's part of our program it's the petty force of business or pitfalls in business helping people to be able to identify what are the pitfalls because we don't want to imagine that we have started we have entered into partnership and everything is looking good and along the way 
pitfalls are there and you, uh, you, you try to locate the person plus the business, you can't see them. They've all both, the person and the business have all disappeared. And that's terrible. And let me just pitfalls, some of the things, let me quickly say a few things about pit, pitfalls. Uh, number A under pitfalls is doing business without a plan. It's do not allow some of the people, even if it is that mom, um, we call them mamas in the kiosk, the one that Frida was talking. It's good to hear what is that plan. It, it must not be written, but it's in the mind. What's the plan? Uh, number, number B is, well, it's, we think it's lack the discipline of stock taking. Lack the discipline of stock taking. And number three, under that pitfalls, one of the things that has destroyed business in Africa and even in your own context is wrong indulgences. You'll find all of a sudden somebody, uh, because the business is doing good, they now begin to indulge in things um, which will begin to bite all the profits. And number D, A, B, C, D, it's lack of focus and patience. And number five, it's lack of strategy or strategies. We normally tell our people at all times when we train them to have a plan B, plan because the business they're giving us is plan A. They must have a plan B, C, D, etc. Because if this is not working, you can't keep on investing in it. This is a waste of time. And finally, is what we're calling ready to work smart. We call upon people to work. There is a, an outcry. Sometimes people are told, do a lot, work hard. Yeah, you can work hard and you've got very literal results. So we, we are training our people back in Africa to work smart, to be able to... One of the things that Frida and Masov are very good at, we don't... In fact, there was a statement, I think it was in South Africa, uh, a friend of ours made a statement which... Uh, I loved it, I, you know, because it was, it was people from a distance looking to this couple, and his conclusion was, if you take Edon and Frida, and you place them to Iceland, they will sell ice. And I'm just thinking, yes, because we, why don't we see the opportunity? We, we've got to see the opportunity. We, we, go to, uh, we go to Ukraine, and we're going shopping, and suddenly I see an opportunity, and I'm telling our friends, oh, this is a great opportunity. So we, we, we need to work smarter and not so much hard because there are many people who have destroyed their health uh, because of working very hard. Unfortunately, no results uh, coming out. When all has been, has been said, the greatest challenge that has either made many to give up or succeed in, in whether we are willing and ready to work more smarter and a little harder for us to see the desired success in the world of business. I recently saw a poster with the following words as I finish. Laziness is resting when you are not tired. The Bible knows it too well, and that is what it says in the book of Proverbs 6. Just write them as, because I'm passing now, I'm finishing 6 verse 10. It says, a little slumber, a little folding of hands, and poverty strikes like what? Abundance. Proverbs 20:13 reads, Love not too much sleep, lest you come to a sudden poverty. Open your eyes, and you shall be satisfied with the bread. Proverbs 14.23, it reads, in, in all hard work there is profit. But mere talking, or empty talk, uh, there is no reward. Let us never lose our faith in God, in the principles and values of doing business, uh, and anything else using the God proven principle which is doing things God's way I've loved talk to, talking to you and the Lord bless you so much thank you, uh, it's been a great session thank you very much I'm sure like me you're sat there feeling slightly intimidated overwhelmed but provoked at the same time. And I thought, Ed, Edward, maybe you could pray for us all, just that all of this that we are kind of carrying in mind, you'd be able to just pray that we would be able to process well. Is that okay? That's, that's great. Let's stand, please. Yeah, an impartation of faith. Yeah. Father, we 
just stand before your presence this afternoon and thank you very much because of uh, the wisdom of God upon the, uh, the leadership and the people behind the scene to be able to select subjects and topics that God you know uh, will become useful now and in the days to come. Father, the whole thing about money and wealth creation is absolutely crucial because God, it's, that is where we need the funds. Like the Bible is saying, how can they go without being sent? And how can they be sent if there is no money? And so, Father, we've got a, a global a vision. We want to take the world for Jesus Christ. We want to uh, see people being born again in some of the restricted countries. We want to see people empowered. And Father, seeing people being at uh, this close of poverty, being broken in the lives of people that we love and people that we long to see uh, having the dignity of the gospel. Yes. And Father, this is going to become possible as Father, we embrace some of the things that God we brought to this afternoon. I, I, I raise my hands over this wonderful group of people and I'm praying, Father, for an impartation of faith. I, I'm praying that, Father, there, there will be a release of faith for wealth creation. That God, you open our eyes to be able to see the different avenues that you're using to be able to address the brokenness that has been brought about by the poverty that is evident everywhere. Lord, even as we come against the spirit of poverty across the nations where we're working, O oh Lord, we, we just shout this day as we stand here, Lord, and say, Father, bring uh, dignity to your people. We pray, we cry to you, Lord. Father, remember Africa, remember India. Remember some of these countries, Lord, that are struggling. Yes. And Father, let, let the goodness of God come. Because the goodness, the gospel is good news. Yes. And Father, we do pray. If Father, we have ministers of the good news, it must be the good news that brings joy. And Father, we do ask you, let there be an impartation from now. I'm releasing an anointing upon your people, Lord. That God suddenly will begin to hear a passion for people releasing their finance to go and help somebody somewhere come out of poverty. Lord, give us the faith to do these things. Give us the faith to do this thing, Lord. Father, let give us the anointing to be able to hold our hands together as we together say we're going to address this problem. Just like we know we cannot be able to eradicate completely, but God, wherever we are, that our presence can be felt. So, Father... Give us faith for wealth creation. I pray for that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.